What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode one of the Story Worth Sharing podcast. My name is Chris Shepard, and I am here with my co-host. She's the famous Amy Rodriguez. How are you doing today, oh, Amy? Oh, gosh. Hello, Chris. How are you today? I'm doing great. Good. I'm excited. We're getting things started. Episode one of the podcast. I, I like how you just gloss right over my famous reference. Famous I, Amy. You know I like to be behind the scenes, so this is <laughs> this is a big step for me. Except you're wearing a sweatshirt that says champion right across the front. I had to come front. in confident, yeah. so yeah, that's so why I'm wearing Are you feeling this. like a champion today? I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah? It was good. That, that's good. So far. You know, so far, I like that. You can only that. go up from here. That's true. Well, wait, yeah. I don't know what that means. So you're saying that you started at the bottom, like the day starting recording <laughs> this podcast, and it's only going to go up? From... Well, yeah. I mean, we haven't really. We're just starting the podcast, so we'll see how it goes. Okay, we're not we're sure. We're going to figure it out. Not sure what's going to happen. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, I guess if we are just starting, then it would be important for us to uh, give an idea of like why why start a podcast in the first place. And so, yeah. uh, Emmy, why don't you go ahead and tell us? Oh, good. Well, um, I think you should because this okay. is definitely your idea. So. <laughs> Uh, yes, I did. Uh, I bribed Emmy to join me on the podcast, and I told her that she could um, hang out with me if she did oh. this. And so she. Just I was going to ask, was I supposed yeah. to get something for doing yeah. this? You, you get to hang out with. Oh, me. Okay. That's, that's worth fair. it, right? That's, yeah. That's so totally worth it. no, I. You know, it's weird, Emmy. For most of 2019, I had this this feeling constantly and consistently, like, man, I feel like I'm supposed to start a podcast. And I kept thinking about it and it was, it would like go away and I wouldn't think about it for a while. And then I would be like, man, I feel like I'm supposed to start a podcast. <laughs> but then that, that question of, um, okay, cool. What, what would we talk about? Like right. what in the world would I start a podcast about? And so I didn't really do anything with it. I just kind of sat on it. And then I was having lunch with a friend. We were, we were sitting at uh, Torchy's Tacos, actually. I love Torchy's. You do love Torchy's. What's, do you like Torchy's? You know, I've only been there like twice. What? It's not my favorite taco place, but. I'll support your choice in taco place. Well, Torchies, if you want to sponsor this podcast, <laughs> feel free. We would love yes, some free tacos in the, the studio. Yeah, for sure. But um, yeah, so we were sitting in Torchies Tacos, and he was he was sharing some of his story and telling me about just some stuff that was going on at work and some conversations he had recently had. And while he's talking, it was just like this light bulb went off of this. This is it. Like this idea of starting a podcast yeah, cool idea, whatever. But here's, here's the point behind it is that everybody has a story and sometimes we don't do a very good job of like opening up. And certainly like we all have those people in our life, right? right. So you have those people that you're close with mm -hmm. that you let in, that you share moments with, or, or you, if you're struggling with something, you like let them know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Right. But to the average person, we don't always do a good job of like sharing our story and who we are. And so as I'm sitting here with my friend and he's talking about some stuff that's going on at work and how some conversations had come up and had given him the opportunity to share a little bit of his story, which had really helped him connect with one of his coworkers that he had been struggling to connect with. And instantly I was like, man, that's it. Like when we share our story, it brings down walls. When we share our story, right. it lets people in. And the beautiful thing is, everybody has a story worth sharing. That's right. Even when we don't feel like maybe our story matters mm -hmm. or that anything special or important has happened in our yeah. life. Like everybody has a story worth sharing. And so ultimately that that's kind of why this thing started. Yeah. I think people, I know just for me, even we get, or we think we're the only ones that have gone through something. So to share, yeah. it's like, what's the point? Like no one's going to relate. And I think I'm always surprised to hear other people's stories and be like, wow, that's so similar to what I've been through. And, and for me, I was so excited about this podcast because I love to learn. And so when I get to 
hear from other people that have gone through things I haven't or even similar things like they have always a different perspective than I did and I always come out just knowing more and with more wisdom and I grow ultimately from that so I'm super excited about this and just getting to learn more and meet new people along the way. You know, Emmy and I have been getting together and talking about this podcast and how we were going to launch it and who we were going to talk to. And it's been cool as we sat down and started talking through some of the list of people that we knew and, and what we were trying to accomplish with this. And it, even just that process, it's like, wow, mm-hmm. man, I, we actually know some people that do have a really cool story that probably not everyone knows, but it's going to, I'm excited. Like you were saying, like, it's just neat to sit in a space with someone and get to learn from them and and just get to hear some of what made them who Mm -hmm. they are, like how they got to where they are. And so I'm excited about some of the people that we're going to be bringing on this podcast, but in an effort to really get things started and for you to know a little bit about us, we wanted to take this first episode and actually our guest today is our co-host, Emmy Rodriguez. And so we're actually going to be talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You were so gracious. Not only to say, yes, Chris, I will go on this crazy journey with you and be a co-host of this podcast, but I will also be willing to be your first guest. Yeah. But how often have I said no to you also? You're not supposed to say that. Like (laughs) we'll talk about that later. (laughs) That's my personal problem. (laughs) Uh, Maybe, maybe it'll come out in in this podcast. So maybe. Yeah. Okay. So Emmy, if, if we were going to start sharing your story, mm-hmm. like what would you say maybe was a moment or maybe some kind of a, a time in your life or a moment that when you look back, maybe you didn't notice it at the time, but when you look mm-hmm. back now, you're like, man, that really had a big influence on who I became as I, as I matured and grew up. Yeah. I think, wow. The biggest thing, and I think a lot of people sadly could relate is the divorce of my parents was such a big thing. So I grew up in a very, we were a Christian home. I even went to a private school and I grew up around pretty well put together families from the outside. And so as a kid, I just assumed that's like how it was going to be. And I never once thought that it was going to go any other way with my family, but it did. And it was really hard and something that took a while for me to understand. And it actually happened in towards the end of my high school when they were like separating and um, which was a really hard time, especially trying to figure out if I wanted to go to college or not. And then they actually got divorced my freshman year of college in the winter of 2013. And that was a very hard time for me to figure out, like I'm trying to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. And at the same time, everything that I've known is basically falling apart. And so I was just really trying to focus more on me, but I wasn't doing it the best I could. And so that was a very, um, probably turning point in just trying to figure out, okay, um, this has happened. I'm now on my own. Um, and there was a lot of guilt in that because I did go, I came here obviously to A&M college station, Texas, baby. So moved away from home, which was really hard. I was not the kid that wanted to leave home. I was very much content with staying close to it until it was not a very fun place to be anymore. And so I moved and followed That followed with guilt and kind of shame because I had left my younger brother Mm. and that was really hard because we're really, really close. And I know it was really hard for him, but I also knew like that wasn't a reason I could just stay and not do something that I I knew I needed to do kind of for me. And that's so hard because you already are feeling this guilt, right? And you're already, 
I, I imagine it's playing through your head, like what role maybe you played in this or right. could you have done something differently? And then you see your little brother, I, man. How, so how did you process that part of it, of, of making the decision yeah. of where's the balance of, I need to make sure that I'm doing what's best for me, but also respecting and honoring the fact that my little brother is a part of this mm-hmm. equation as well. So another thing about me is I am, I've always called myself like the mediator in my family. Like I was the person people would come to when there was a problem with someone else in the family, or I'm the first one to know about it. And that carried over with friendships too. Um, So I always took on that weight. And so that was a big part of the guilt too, was like, I'm leaving and I'm usually the fixer. Let me fix this. Ultimately, I had to have the conversation with my little brother of like, don't like as much as I had to say, basically I was preaching to him what I was feeling. And I was like, this wasn't on you. This is not your fault. And I am going to college, but you, like, we are always going to be in sync. We're always going to be in contact. I had to just start basically telling him what I was going to tell myself. And it kind of started like this small healing process of like, okay, like I, I know that this is what I'm supposed to do, but I'm still going to be the big sister. I'm going to love him and try and communicate with him as much as possible. And it took a lot of growing. So not to say that my college year or freshman year was not the easiest. It was a very lonely, probably a little bit depressed year of my life hmm. just because I didn't really have close friends. I came to AM with some people from high school. Just wasn't the best friendships and we weren't super, super close yeah. um, with where I was in my life. And it was partly my fault because I wasn't super honest about what was going on at home. Like I was pretty much embarrassed about it. Like yeah. even in high school and uh, junior, senior year when it was happening, like no one knew. I didn't tell them about it because I was embarrassed. Um, and so that just kept carrying And then going into my sophomore year of college, um, my older brother was working this student conference and I was home for the summer because I really didn't want to be away anymore from my little brother. So I was like, I'm going to go home for the summer. It'll be great. And my brother, older brother, Evan comes in and he says like, Hey, I'm volunteering at the student conference and I know you're not doing it this summer. You should come <laughs> and do this with me for oh, two thanks, and a half girl. days. Thanks. Really thanks, though, girl. I was, I remember sitting on the couch, I was watching TV and he was like, I know, yeah, just come do this. And I was like, sure, why not? I'm not doing anything. Does um, that go back to you not being good at saying no? Yep, that's things? exactly okay, right. Okay, cool. Like I didn't have a reason to say no, so let's there do you it. Go. Um, but it was a church that I had been to and it was really awesome. And that was such a turning point because I got to volunteer this conference that was mainly students and their leaders and just showing how much they love Jesus. And it was something that like, I grew up again, going to church and that was a big part of my life. And I did the youth camps and stuff, but come the separation of my parents and divorce, um, I kind of just didn't go as much anymore. We weren't going as a family. So I just didn't really find it the priority. I still love Jesus. I still wanted, you know, to have a relationship. I didn't know how to do it on my own. Mm. And so going to this conference and serving, I got to meet a lot of my brother's friends who were just so authentic and so real with how much they loved people. And that was so crazy to me because I had never met them, but instantly we were like friends and family because they knew him and I was his sister. So we were all together. And so I got to serve with them for two and a half days. And after that, and I was going back to A&M sophomore year, I was like, God, I need this. I need these people Hmm. here where I am. Um, that love Jesus like this, that want to pursue the same things that I'm now wanting to pursue wholeheartedly. And so I literally Googled, you know, where is a college ministry <laughs> in College Station, Texas that, you know, is going. And, and so I looked and Brazos Fellowship popped up. And so ultimately jo- joined the college ministry here at 242. And that was a big, big deal. Yeah, for sure. that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I want to talk more about your college journey and, yeah. and involvement with college experience, but I want to, I want to talk a little bit you pointed, like when I asked that question, the first thing you pointed to was divorce of your parents yeah. and walking through that journey. What would you say 
And you, you talked about it a little bit with your relationship with Christ, but what would you say was specifically different about who Emmy was before mm-hmm. that and who Emmy was after that? Like, how do you, when you point, when you look back, cause you say, Hey, that, that was a big moment right. for me. It was something that really changed the trajectory of my life mm-hmm. and my direction and how I matured. So who were you before and who were you after? I think before it was weird. I was almost very like, I don't know if coasting is the right word, but I just kind of felt like I knew the process of what was supposed to happen when it was supposed to happen and everything seemed like it was going great. And then it was like, after the divorce, I kind of came to the realization that like most people know, like nothing goes as planned. Usually Mm -hmm. like it's not always going to work out the way you want it to. It was a pretty big wrecking ball that, you know, that made me realize that, but it's made life so much easier knowing that one, I can't fix everything. And two, that ultimately things may not go how I want it to go, but with the right people around you, like I've been able to be, find joy in even those moments. Um, whereas before where I felt like I, my instinct was always, I have to fix it. I have to find the solution. I have to be the answer for whatever the problem is. And then the divorce happened and I realized like this wasn't on me. I don't have the answers and that's okay of wow, what went yeah. wrong and how I can fix this. And then everything led to finding other people that had those experiences too. And still loved me and were then healing me. We're like being the thing oh, that good. I've always been, yeah. which is different because I was not used to that. And so I think that was a big thing of realizing like I need to be willing to accept that from other people and not always be looking to be that, which is what I always was before. And so you talk about how you began to surround yourself with other people mm-hmm. that helped that healing process. And you mentioned getting involved in the college ministry of Brazos Fellowship. And so what what did that look like as you started? Because I, I, anyone who's ever walked that path before yeah. knows that's not easy. No. Making that transition of starting to open up and starting to let people in. You even said, like, when you were in high school, you didn't really let people know what was going right, on. And so right. you had carried this now for several years, mm-hmm. kind of by yourself, maybe with your brothers, but kind of by yourself. So what was it like for you to walk into a new place, yeah. meet new people, and then let that place be a place of healing for you to continue to grow in community? What did that look like? Yeah. So after I had searched and found where I wanted to go check out, I, it was actually the first day of that, of 242 College Ministry. Yeah. And I remember pulling into the parking lot. I was, I'm always pretty early. So I showed up early and sat in the car for a minute and had that conversation like most people do with like, do I want to get, go in? Do I not want to go in? And then more cars started coming and I was like, you know, I'm here. I have to go in. And so I walked in and instantly met some of the leaders who were so kind and so genuine and just wanted to talk to you and get to know you instantly that it felt right. That's basically all I can say. Like it felt right. And so from there, it's been nothing but big part of you and, and my small group leaders, but just constantly being willing to be plugged in and engaged. It's It would have been easy for me to drive away because I was at a place where I was like, I've been doing it alone for so long, it's right. okay to hold on right. to that. But after the conference, I knew something had to change and I knew what I wanted and that was worth more fighting for than it was for me to leave. Um, so yeah, I walked in and then basically was there for a year as just being a part of the ministry. Um, and then my amazing small group leader, Clint Hart, who I love very much, basically said, hey, you need to be leading mm-hmm. and asked me about it. And so the next year I was a leader in the ministry yeah. and basically has gone up from there full force nonstop. So <laughs> no joke. So. Yeah. So if uh, you have not met Emmy before, Emmy came in as a student, she became a leader. She stayed for the rest of her college career. And uh, I 
somehow convinced her to stick around after she graduated. And now you you went through our internship program I here did. at Brazos Fellowship. And now you're full-time staff at the church. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, so from Googling where should, yeah. I, where should <laughs> I find a college ministry to yeah. now being a full-time staff member at that yeah. church is a pretty cool, yeah. pretty cool story. So you mentioned, you've mentioned a couple of people mm-hmm. already. Who would you say are some of those people at different seasons in your life yeah. that you look back and you're like, man, the impact this person had, whether it, sometimes those are just short seasons, right? Really yeah. brief moments. And sometimes you get to walk with those people mm-hmm. for a long time, but who have been some of those people that you look back and you're like, man, these people really helped shape who I am today. Yeah. So the first person would be my granny. I called her granny green. Um, she, did she like wear green or was green a part of her no. name? That was her last name. Oh, okay, okay. Just making sure. Well, you know, she could like always have That's one. That's very like, true. A green, I Honestly, don't know, like, I don't think I ever have seen her wear green. Maybe around Christmas, but that was like it. Well, her last name is green. It would be a little cliche yeah. if she just always It would have ruined green. everything. Yeah, okay. So Okay, so Granny Green. Yeah, so she was basically my second mom. Um, she knew pretty much everything about me. Um, but she was such a woman of God, like had so much faith every morning when I, if I stayed at her house or even was just around her, like she was reading her Bible, she was doing the devotion. She prayed before meals. Um, she was always praying for me and always made sure I knew that. So, so much of like where I am in my faith is because of the model she represented and who she was. She had the keys to the church. She was the first one in the last one out. She did the money, the, you know, she set all the events and things like that. She was in charge. And, and I was very blessed that I got to go to a lot of those things with her and like tag along and, and live that life. And, but just see how she loved people and how she loved that and loved Jesus and loved serving other people and getting to be a part of it um, was such a big reason of why, like, I'm who I am today and I get to love others because that's how she was with me and that's how she was with my brothers. And so a lot of that, I definitely owe to her. Um, Even to the last day that I got to see her, like she said, she was still praying for me. And so that's special. That was so crazy. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Man, now I'm jealous. I didn't get to meet Granny Green. (laughs) I know. I always say I wish a lot more of my friends could have met her. Yeah. But yeah. Because seeing who you are today and how just hearing you talk about that, like that she loved people so well and that Mm -hmm. you got to grow up really seeing that and being around that it definitely rubbed off because you're so good at loving people and making them feel like they're cared for. And I love you said she was always praying for me and she made sure that I knew that. Mm -hmm. And I think that, man, that's so special and so important that when we care about someone or when we're trying to invest in someone, it's important that we let them know that because sometimes they, they don't see value in themselves. Mm -hmm. They don't see value in their struggle or their journey. And you said it earlier that a lot of times we feel like we're walking through something by ourselves. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's great for someone to be like, oh, yeah, I'm praying for you or, oh, I'm here for you. But when you have someone like Granny Green who's consistently mm-hmm. like stepping in and letting you know, like, not only am I praying for you, but I'm going to make sure that I'm consistently reminding you yeah. of that, that I'm here for you, that I'm investing in you, that I care about the outcome of what you're walking through. Like, that's super special. Yeah. My favorite thing is she would she would write me letters. And I, I kept the last letter she sent me. Um, it was very funny because she still really wrote in cursive. So sometimes it was hard yeah, to read, yes. but it was like on this writ piece of paper that like, I know she just pulled out of like something that yeah, she didn't know was cool. there. But no, she was really incredible. And I just learned a lot from her for that's sure. That's awesome. Yeah. Who have been some other people? Another person would have been, I call her my sister, Brianna. She, we're not really blood related anyway, but okay, she you said, I call her my sister. I'm like, I was going to say, does she call you her sister? Like yeah. your parents call her your sister. What does that mean? She um, <laughs> actually was a friend of my brother's. They went to the same, I don't know if it was, it wasn't quite a seminary school, but it was something 
like that. I could okay. not tell you the name of it. But one, for a time period, she came and lived with our family. Oh, awesome. For maybe a year, even two. And so we were really close, did a lot of things together. She was basically my sister. But she was such an encouragement. It was like high school, middle school years. So, you know, that's a lot for yeah. if, for teens just to grow up in. Um, but she was so encouraging. She would leave me like these little prayer notes on my mirror before school and always she was another person that was like I'm always praying for you I'm believing in you um she was there when my parents were going through that thing and even when she moved out and that was still going on she was reaching out constantly but she was someone that was a little younger so I was looking up to her a lot and how she was living her life and loving Jesus and really pursuing that calling on her life even though like she was having struggles sometimes with her family and stuff but she loved me and loved me so well that I just began realizing like, man, I want to be this for other people and I want to be able to do this. And so um, she was really just a really big source of encouragement for me going on late middle school, early high school that impacted me a lot. And yeah, that's awesome. So you make it to A&M, right? You have Granny Green, Mm -hmm. who's been praying for you this whole time, right? You have Brianna, is that what you said? Brianna. Yeah, so you're kind of sister, not really sister, yeah. but feels like a sister. <laughs> basically sister. Yeah, basically. Oh, you're basically sister. <laughs> Got basically. it. Okay. So you have Brianna, you're basically sister. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and you make it to A&M, mm-hmm. you struggle through your freshman year, you start to find community in your sophomore mm-hmm. year as you get plugged into a college ministry at a local church. Who are some of those people that walk with you through that journey as you begin to yeah. build relationships, as you begin to mature into who you are right. and you start to get a sense for maybe what God is calling you to and what comes yeah. next. And, and really that it's kind of scary. You're sitting in college and, and really it's survival, right? Like, yeah. please, I just want to graduate. Like, I just want to make it to the end of this road. But you, through that process, begin to start thinking about what comes next. And yeah. maybe that five-year plan or that 10-year plan or God, I feel like you're you're developing something in me. Who are some of the people that walked with you? Yeah. So I already mentioned Clint. Clint yeah. Hart was definitely a big thing because he was my small group leader. That's awesome. Um, very consistent in checking in and just did what a small group leader would do, but even went above and beyond. Like one of those people that if you missed group, he was calling to make sure you were showing up yeah. <laughs> or where you were if you were close, <laughs> um, which was really cool. Um, another one was Meredith, Meredith Fleming. Such a, such a character. If you don't know her, you should know her. Um, yes. But she loves with everything she has and definitely makes you feel it. And so she was also encouraging and always just someone that was willing to hang out and be around. Um, and then Amanda Hall, yeah. which is now Stuart yeah. though, right? It's, yes. Is it Stuart now? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So she, I met through Meredith and the Project Sunshine organization that I ended up joining because, you know, awesome. Meredith yeah. talked me into that. Um, but Amanda, crazy stories, actually, we just decided we were going to go hang out one night at Chick-fil-A, eat dinner. And she was actually the first person that I had an open conversation with about my parents' divorce. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like I had never before, and I don't even know if she knows this, but she literally was just asking me about my parents, like out of nowhere, just talking about my family. And I just, it just came out and mm. it wasn't like I was embarrassed anymore. It was like sure. the first time. And a lot of that credit goes to being a part of 242 and like Clint and Meredith and just feeling so much love and feeling safe yeah. that I could do that. And so the moment Amanda asked me, it was like, yeah, here's what, ha- here's how it was. Here's what yeah. happened. And here's how I'm feeling. And it was a really great conversation. And so, yeah, those are probably the big main three early on that impacted that transition for sure. So cool. What would you say are things that you have learned along the way as you have Mm -hmm. been developing and maturing and you've progressed through college and now after college, that's a really hard transition. Yeah. Um, Transitioning from high school to college certainly is difficult. Right. um, But it's still kind of more the same. There's more responsibility. A lot more is in your court. Like you have Mm -hmm. to make decisions on, am I going to go to class? Am I going to do my homework? Whatever. 
but it's still kind of the same thing. It's just harder. But transitioning from college to adult life is is difficult. Yeah. Even when you have the best people around you, it's still difficult because there is that question of like, I've been asked since I was three years old, what do you want to be when you grow up? And now I'm (laughs) I'm there. I used to say an astronaut and like, I didn't get accepted by NASA. So like, you know what, what do I want to be when I grow up? So, so what are some things that you've learned along the way through that transition and Mm -hmm. just even where you are now? Well, I think, you know, Something that, especially in college and especially at A&M, we're always, it's always like, you know, you're going to be a leader because one, automatically you're at A&M, so you're going to be looked up as supposed to being a leader, which is true. But I think that's a calling on everyone's life in their own way, and they just don't realize it until one point. But I think leadership is just influence. And so it's really trying to figure out what you're supposed to be doing. And that's always the question that, you know, you're trying to figure out in college, what am I supposed to be doing? I think everyone relates to that at some point. Um, And for me, I totally felt that even to the point of being sometimes fearful of like, I'm almost done with college. What am I supposed to be doing? Um, And then I just had to realize, and we've talked about this a lot. I think like the whole idea of just doing it afraid sometimes and the whole being scared, but prepared thing. And I think it's sometimes okay to live with that tension of like, I'm not an expert right now and I'm not the most equipped or I don't have the most knowledge or wisdom, but I know that God's going to give me the favor and he's going to give me the right relationships um, with the people that need to be around me. And he's going to give me the strength to walk in those moments of when I am scared. Cause I think one of the coolest things of walking with God is realizing that it's a walk of being completely dependent on him. You know, God is constantly, and I, feel this personally, like constantly asking you to be vulnerable mm-hmm. with him and dependent to the fact of knowing that everything I'm not God is. And so that's been something I know I've had to learn in living in those afraid moments is that sometimes that's okay. But I've also learned, you know, relationships are a big deal and the people that you have in your circle. And so you'll probably yeah. hear me reference these two a lot. Chelsea and Kayla are oh, my best, best friends, Trouble, but they are in my inner circle. And I firmly believe that I have to allow someone else to speak into whatever I'm fearful of. And you've been that for me, Chris, a lot of other people have too, but those two, I go to a lot for what I'm afraid of and have them speak into it because quickly courage is going to then come into those situations mm-hmm. and God's going to use those people. Um, and that goes back to when I was not used to having that. And, you know, yeah. I was trying to be that for other people. So but, how do you, how do you have the courage to go to those people when you're scared? Like, you know, yeah. cause you're already, you're already struggling. You're already afraid. You're already not sure. And then you said you have these people in your inner circle that when you go to them and you mm-hmm. speak into that fear, you know, they're going to then speak into it and courage is going to come. How right. do you have the courage to even start that process? That's a, that's a good question. Cause I, in the beginning would not have been, but that took a lot of being willing to form relationships with people and, okay. and go on and be engaged. Like the moment I went to 242, I realized like there were going to other people around. I was going to have to get to know. And luckily like people make it sometimes easy to mm, love yeah. on you, but you have to be willing to form those relationships and go all in. And that's scary too. But if it's the right people, like God's going to place them in your life. And ultimately for the season I was in, like Chelsea and Kayla were there. Now, they're both two people that are probably going to work their way into your life, whether you want it to or not. So <laughs> that's very true. So I didn't have to fight that hard on that one. Uh, but for the most part, like I, it takes a lot on your part to just being being able to humble yourself and being willing to put yourself out there with other people, because I know I need it. And I know I need people to speak into my life because otherwise I don't I don't want to go back to where I was freshman year of college alone and sad because I didn't have anyone like there's so much more life enjoy and having the right people around you who can speak into that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. How has that shaped like what you do now? So 
having knowing that community is so important, mm-hmm. knowing that you need to have people that are speaking into your life that are are going to even speak into those moments where you don't believe in yourself or you don't yeah. know what comes next. And you've you've gotten to the place of being vulnerable. You've gotten to the place of letting people in and having that community. How does that then begin to shape who you are and some of the things, maybe the the practices or mm-hmm. or what you do? What does Emmy do now as a person? Some of those disciplines or those practices or those habits to make sure that you always have mm-hmm. that. You always have that community. You always have that inner circle. You always are being vulnerable. What are what are some things you do to speak into that yourself. Yeah. One of the first things that I've just started doing in the morning is very much more of a practical thing is just starting by being thankful and thanking God for something, because I think it's easy in the world we live in to always be wanting to arrive before we're actually at a point. Like Mm. we need to be where we are. And so really learning to be thankful for the journey. Um, something I struggled with a lot early on. Um, I love the whole analogy of like, you know, God works in the seed format, like seed and harvest. And I think that's so true. And so I've just been, really thanking God like a lot, like, thank you God for these relationships, the small ones, the big ones, the ones that were only for a season, because ultimately like in some way I learned something from that. And I grew in that. I've also had to pray a lot. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Prayer has been a big thing that I've just tried to have a strong relationship with God. And I think growing up prayer was just something, you know, we did over our meals and we did before bed. And I, as a child, like that's what you grow up thinking it is. And then I began realizing it's really just me having a conversation with God. And so I just started talking to him and thanking him for things. And then I started praying with greater expectation because something for me was I, I was guilty of putting God in a box in some way only because I could think of this, that's all God could do. And so I began having to pray for like better relationships and bring the right people into my life. And so they started coming and I started expecting more. So now I pray with greater expectations. And so I try to do that just on the daily things that I may think are impossible are not for God. And so, yeah, that's probably been one of the biggest things is really being intentional in praying and just another thing is rest. Oh, (laughs) I struggle again. Okay. So here comes the no thing. This is funny because I feel like college student, anyone, not just college student, college student, anyone, they're like, Oh no, rest is not a problem. Like I just want to like sleep through my 8am and I don't really want to do my homework. So like, I'm, I'm totally Uh, fine with sleeping all the time. Don't miss that life. Yeah. But then you (laughs) actually graduate and you realize, Oh my gosh, I thought life was hard as a college student, but just wait. Like Somehow there's, there's so much more, more. Yeah, there is. There's so much more. And I, it's like, I don't have any homework. I don't have any yeah. tests, no group projects, yeah. but uh, somehow there is more. And so I heard you say rest a little begrudgingly, like, uh, and, and obviously rest yeah. and sleep are not the same thing. Right. We can sleep yeah. and live a life of unrest. 100% true. And we yeah. can have a rested life, even in seasons where we're not getting a lot of sleep. Yeah. Um, Cause those are definitely two different things. But what, when you say rest, what does that look like for you? Um, so this comes back to the whole no and yes thing of being <laughs> able to say no, which I've had to practice. And what I actually started doing recently was this whole, it's this idea of refocusing and it's really coming down to understanding, okay, what are my obligations? What are my focuses for this season? What are my distractions and what am I passionate about? Mm-hmm. Um, And there's this really cool exercise where you really map it out and you write down all these things. What's stealing my time? Those are your distractions. What do I want to do that maybe I haven't been able to do lately? What are my obligations? Like things like 
work or the bills or laundry or something like that. And then focusing on this season. So for me, like this podcast and like the college ministry and small groups and things like that, that I'm a part of, but it's really helped me to be able to see it and map it out and be able to then make an action plan for like, okay, this is what I have this week. I have to take time though to rest and I'm going to have to say no to some things that are going to be pulling my time. Cause we all have things that are pulling our time sure. and, and, and we're trying to be a part of things we really love and we know are beneficial, but are we going to be able to give everything we have to all of those things in the past? I know I was not. And so I really had to start, um, just finding time. Like if I've had a really long week, like on a Friday or a Saturday, like if I'm not babysitting my nieces <laughs> or doing anything else, like I'm probably just going to have a day to myself and not schedule anything because I have to have time to just rest yeah. and like be alone. And that's okay. I think sometimes people think that they always have to have something to do. I was that person for a while, but you don't like, it's okay to have a day where you're doing nothing. And that's still like your body needs that your mind needs that. What was it that helped you learn that? Was that falling on your face or did that just develop over time? What was it that got you to this place where you really began to recognize, like, I need this practice of rest in my life. And and even beyond that, I think the reason that you're able to prioritize rest mm-hmm. is because you, you were talking about this exercise. Is there a name to that exercise? Um, it's called like the refocus cloud. I'm going to give okay. Horatio printing um, shout out for that Polly and their crew. They have like this planner that I purchased recently. Awesome. So it's really cool to get. Awesome. We'll make that. sure to put a link in the description of this podcast, but so you've been doing this where you're kind of thinking about what are my priorities yeah. and what are my obligations. And so obviously that helps us begin to see what all is on our plate and prioritize right. rest. But what instigated that in your life of recognizing like, hey, rest has to be part mm-hmm. of the regular rhythm? Well, one, I just started noticing like I was tired, like most people, but I was tired. And then I realized like I wasn't giving my effort in some things. Like I could realize at the end of the day, like, man, I could have handled that differently. Mm-hmm. And maybe if I had had more rest or delegated more time and been better about that. Like it could have been better. And I just started having those realizations and little things. And even with people and relationships in my life that maybe I was neglecting a little bit more that I started realizing, okay, something has to change. And I need to be better about realizing what's on my plate and be able to focus on what I need to focus on. And the distractions may have to be eliminated a little bit. And that could be things like um, my self-confidence, or that could be something like the TV you watch or social media that I have to put a name to and be like, okay, this might have to go away for a while. Yeah. So I can give my all to this, but do it healthy and with the best intentions. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you feel like putting these practices together, having these habits of, of gratitude, being thankful when you wake up in the morning? Mm-hmm. I love you said praying with greater expectation. You know, uh, Pastor Will here at Brazos Fellowship, one of the things that he says all the time is that our faith is strengthened when we remember. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's really cool. You said like you began to pray with greater expectation because you would pray for community and then community would show mm-hmm. up. Right. And right. then it's like, wow, yeah, it worked. Yeah, like God actually crazy. did that. It's amazing how God steps into our reality. Yeah. Right. So then it strengthens our faith because we remember, well, last time I prayed for this and mm-hmm. I sought God in this area. I'm not talking about like one, Hey God, I need community. And then poof, it's like, yeah. you know, Aladdin and the genie, they just show up, but, <laughs> but it's, you know, we seek God in this thing in right. this season or whatever. And then we see God begin to be faithful. Then we're able to pray with greater expectation. Yeah. So you talked about gratitude. You talked about prayer. You talked about rest and kind of prioritizing when you put all of this together, like what, what does that mean now for Emmy? Like, who are you becoming? Where are you headed? Like, how does that, this all practically mm-hmm. play out in your life? I've just, it's crazy. So I've just really been able to find more joy in things. And I've always been super pretty joyful in like situations and thankful for things, but it's now like in every situation I can find 
more joy. And I'm also just being able to not be as fearful and go after the dreams, go after the passions that not that I wasn't before, but there was always something holding me back, whether it was not having enough rest or it was being a little fearful and not being willing to just do it. But there's a lot more now in like faith and like I said, like playing, praying in greater expectation. And because of that, like I'm more confident and there's just all these things that like I can see God is already doing and believing for. And so it's just changed me and my perspective a lot going into this next season, just being fully dependent on God and, and waiting for him to do his work because ultimately it's going to be better. So that's awesome. yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. awesome. And, and I love how I'm just going to brag on you for a second. You're going to oh, hate this, um, but people that are listening. They're not watching. It's okay. Well, actually we are recording this oh, on camera, good. but that's okay. Oh. It is so cool having known you now for several years and, and getting to see some of that journey up close and, and truly calling you one of my good friends, mm-hmm. how evident these practices are in shaping who you are becoming and who you have become and how you interact with people and how you lead so well and how you have so much empathy and care for the people around you. And that it's such a beautiful thing to be able to find gratitude in every situation. And, and you, you always seem to approach situations very centered there. There aren't these extreme Emmys, like extremely (laughs) emotional or extremely withdrawn. It's just always kind of centered Emmy. And, And it doesn't mean that life is always perfect. And it doesn't mean that you always handle everything perfectly, but you always find a way to handle things with grace. And I think that that's so beautiful and it's inspiring to the people around you. What would you say to, as we wrap up here, what would you say to high school Emmy? Oh gosh. As she is struggling to let people in, Mm -hmm. as she is carrying a weight that was not meant for her to carry, Mm -hmm. as it's beginning to have an impact on how she sees herself how she feels about the people around her, the family dynamic. What would you say to high school Emmy now looking back in everything that God's done in your life and all of the the fruit and the growth and the expectation that's come from that? What would you say to high school Emmy? I think that it's okay to not be okay mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that you're not alone. It was a weight, but I wanted to take it on my own because I thought I had to. And I didn't think that there was anyone else that really wanted to take that on or know that um, because I'd never experienced it. And so I felt like it was just for me and that led to loneliness. And so just knowing that there are people out there that generally care about you and are willing to take on that weight with you, you just have to be willing to find them and be willing to be a little vulnerable. And that's really hard at that age. But such a big thing is like a youth group that you can be in. Like that's such a good place to start. And that's even scary. But people there generally care about you and want to know what's going on. And it's such a good way to not be alone um, and be able to get things off your chest and and share your life with them. Because that's what we're supposed to do is share life with each other. And so if I had known that then would have been a lot different for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And that is really like the perfect bow on this episode because, mm-hmm. and I didn't know how you were going to answer that question, but <laughs> <Me either. laughs> it's so, it's so amazing to think about as you sit here now, and, and certainly there's a lot of journey ahead of you and, and there's more growth and more learning yeah. that's going to come. But as you sit here now, you recognize like, man, if I had, if I had just shared my story, yeah. if I had just let someone in, like it, it would have helped. It would, there would have been quicker growth. There yeah, would have been so much freedom in it. Yes. Yeah. It's and crazy. it's not, it's not that, oh my gosh, I didn't reach my potential or right. I didn't become who I was supposed to become, 
but you would have found freedom and grace. Mm -hmm. It would have lightened your load so much earlier. You wouldn't have walked through as much guilt and shame through that. And so that's really the heart of this. As we share these stories, as we talk to people, is helping ourselves, you and I, on a weekly basis as Mm -hmm. we're sitting down and talking with these people, helping us remember that we have a story worth sharing, but also encouraging you, the listener, or if you're watching this on YouTube, like you have a story worth sharing and and you're not the only one that has walked this path before. This this journey is not new and it may feel overwhelming and you may feel alone and isolated, but if you will just open up a little bit, if you will walk around with, with your hands open yeah. and say, I, I'm willing. Mm-hmm. You know, it may take some time for you to find someone that genuinely is ready to step in and help carry that mm-hmm. load with you. But we first have to make the decision that we're going to let people in, that we're going to share our story, that we're going to let other people be a part of the journey that we're on. And so my hope, our hope for you as a listener or as a viewer is that you would recognize you have a story worth sharing. Yeah. That's that's the whole goal of this. So, well, thank you so much, Amy. Well, thanks for excited. You know, yeah. having me. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for this journey and, and where this is going to lead. And hey, if you have hung in all the way till the end and listened to this podcast and you like what you heard, we would love it if you would subscribe uh, on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are listening to this. Leave us a review, send us your thoughts, leave us a comment, and we would love to get that and respond back and just uh, become a part of your story. And so we hope this week, today, even as you're listening to this, that you begin to gain a little bit of courage in recognizing, man, I do have a story worth sharing. I do have something to offer to the people around me. We hope that you'll just open up and let people in and do that. So so excited for this. It's going to be, be so great. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that is it for episode one, and we will see you next time on the Story Worth Sharing podcast. Thank you.